You are listening to a sermon by Tanner Sherlock. Visit com for more info. Hi, this is Tanner Sherlock, and you are listening to my podcast. We had some technical difficulties while recording my sermon, so um, I'm re-recording it in my studio. So it's going to sound a little different this week, and I hope you'll bear with me. But last week we talked about Yada and knowing God. Knowing God is so important to our faith because we have to be sure of God and, and sure that He is there. Because there's such a big difference between knowing God and knowing of God so that our faith isn't destroyed every single time we face hard times. Another thing that happens to us is we will face trials. Sometimes those trials come and they're absolutely huge and sometimes they come and they're really small. But I do believe that God allows us to go through trials so that our faith in Him can be strengthened. For the most part of my walk with God, I knew that if God seemed distant, it was because I wasn't praying enough or because I wasn't in Scripture. And although that can ring true, I think there's a little bit more truth to it. So God lately has been teaching me something absolutely extraordinary. Sometimes He's distant because He is simply letting us walk. I don't believe God is truly distant from us, but I do believe He lets it feel like that sometimes to us because He wants us to get through something while keeping our eyes on Him. A quick look at Job and we can see that sometimes we will go through trials. Man, I I am pumped up for this sermon. So we've been going on about the presence of God this whole semester. And so far, I'm going to continue in that. However, I want to share something with you guys that is extremely close to my heart. So as many of you guys know, my mom has been on the waiting list to get a new liver. Um, She's been through the ringer. She really has. I mean, um, she's had like five strokes, four heart attacks. She needs a new liver. She's on the transplant list. It's been going down as her liver continues to give out. Um, everything else is starting to go out now too. All of her other organs are been starting to go out and she has diabetes from, uh, insulin dependent diabetes from a spider bite. And at some point during all of this, she fell and broke her back and she didn't even know when or how it happened. And so she just is, in extreme pain. Um, I'm basically reading off a list of things that have happened in the last four or five years. She's really been through the ringer. And the other day, uh, would have been last Wednesday, she came up and she took my wife and I out to dinner and she just looked, I, I don't really know how to put it, she just looked close to death. She just looked like there was no life left in her. She looked like she was starting to give up. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. She just looked Like, she was going to die. And, man, it really just broke my heart. It was so hard to see. It was so hard to see her like that. It really was. And I just had to go in to do another room and and just cry. Because I hated seeing my mom like that. And so this Sunday night, this last Sunday night, we took her to a Bethel meeting in Scotts Bluff. I don't know if you're familiar with Bethel, but they sometimes will travel around holding um, healing conferences and, and prophecy conferences, stuff like that. And so we went up to Scotts Bluff. After a little while, um, my mom started just, she was having a hard time even just sitting still at this conference. The whole reason we took her was because we wanted to see her healed. And while she's sitting there, she she's in so much pain, she can't even sit still. She's fidgeting the whole time. She had to get up twice and walk around because she was just in so much pain. She, um, at one point decided that she was just going to go out and sit in the car because the pews of the church were just too much for her. 
And my dad turns over and says, no, just, just hold on just a little bit longer. Let's just, just stay as long as you can. And so she decides she's going to put through, put up through the pain. She's, she's, so she's sitting there just, I can't even explain how much pain she had to have been in. She would have explained it as being a nine or a 10 in pain. And I know my mom knows pain because if you've ever seen me and my brother, she gave birth to us. She knows pain. So she says that her pain was like at a nine or a 10 and she was on a lot of pain medicine also. So we're sitting there and, and finally they begin starting the, the healing part of it. And they, they call out, they ask somebody, is there somebody in here who needs a new organ that you're on the transplant list for a new organ and, and you need a new organ? And obviously my mom raises her hand and I don't know if you understand the spectrum of them asking somebody needs a new organ. That's not like somebody standing up there and saying, does somebody have a headache or does somebody have back pain? Because those are pretty common injuries. You know, needing a new organ is a little bit more out there. And so my mom was excited at this point because she's like, man, these guys knew I needed a new organ. And so they send somebody over to pray with her, to pray over her. And um, so we began praying. And we're praying for a little bit. And, and they ask everybody to raise your hand if, you, if you've had healing. And, it's like, and this was a matter of like three or four minutes had gone by is all. And the whole reason for it was because they were saying that sometimes when we hear testimonies of healings happening around us, it inspires us to believe, basically. And my mom raises her hand right off the bat. And she says, my pain level was at like a 9 or a 10, and now it is at a 0. Her pain was completely gone after praying for 2 or 3 minutes. After 5 years of pain... And five years of this stuff, my mom's pain was completely gone instantly almost. It was, it was practically as close to instantly as you can get. She said it happened so fast that she didn't even realize she was healed until they asked her. And she starts thinking about it. And she's like, man, my shoulder doesn't hurt. My back, does. man, I have no pain. I have no pain. And she just gets excited. And they bring her up front and they're like, oh, you know, where was your pain at? And she's like, it was, it was extremely high. And now it's at zero. And God took away her pain that fast. And it was so amazing. Visibly. You know, I said a week ago she just looked close to death. And visibly, she looked alive again. There was color coming back to her face. She just, she was smiling for the first time I can remember in a while. She just was full of life almost instantly. She just was excited. She was talkative. She was having conversations with people. She was giving people hugs. She was just so excited. And it was so great seeing that on my mom's face. I just, it was so amazing. It was so amazing. But I got to be honest with you guys. As we were driving home from it, I began doubting, you know. My mom's been sick for five, six years. I've been praying for her for five or six years. It was, it's, it was really hard to believe that her healing, that she was truly healed. And so I'm driving back and I'm trying to deal with myself like, you know, God did something there. Whether you like it or not, God did something there. And I was starting to doubt it already. And so I made it a point to call her. And so I called her yesterday on Monday. And I was like, Mom, how are you feeling? And she said something to me. She said, I feel wonderful. I haven't heard my mom say she felt wonderful in like 20 years, let alone the last five or six she said, I felt, she said she felt wonderful. And I asked her, is she in any pain? She said, no, none, still. 
no pain. She's still at a zero. And so I was like, man, I'm, and I'm starting to believe I'm getting excited. And the next day, so I called her today and I called her again and I said, mom, where are you at? How's everything going? And she said, I'm still in no pain. And she didn't take any of her pain medicine and she was still in no pain and she was awake and she was responsive and it was so amazing to see her and I'm just excited. I mean, I'm, I've got a smile on my face just explaining this to you guys because I'm just so excited for what God's done in my mom's life already just so fast. We don't know the extent to her healing, but I'm believing in a full complete healing. I'm believing in a 100% healing. And I know my mom's believing in it too. And I know as, as time goes on, we'll know. But I, I just, it's so miraculous that God took a level 9 pain, level 10 pain, and brought it to a zero almost instantly. I got to have my mom back for the ride home. She was talkative the whole way. I haven't heard my mom talk like that in a long time. She was just so excited. I got to hang out with my mom on the ride back. Oh, it was so, it was such a blessing. And so today I want to publicly, in front of all everybody and in, in front of everybody, I want to publicly thank God, thank Jesus for what he has done in my mom's life right here and right now. The healing that has gone on already, I want to just thank God for his continued healing. And I, like I said, I'm believing in a full healing and I just thank God for the miracle that he's performed. It's just, it's so amazing. I think we can easily get caught in the fact that we always want a miraculous solution to our problems, but yet we have a hard time believing in miracles. And so this week, we're going to be in 1 Peter 1. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 1. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time in this you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes through it as tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ Something popped out to me here just quickly. Peter's saying here something I've been saying for a couple weeks. Keep in mind that there will be testing. There will be trials. There will be temptation. But we are to pray that we can endure them. I was watching a TV show a while back and they had this clip on there where they took a bunch of kids into a room by themselves. And they sat the kid down and then put a piece of cake right in front of them. Told the kid not to touch it until they got back that they had to go get some uh, paper and some get some forms they needed to fill out. So they were going to be gone for like two, three minutes. So the kid had to sit there and not touch it. And so they sat 10 kids down. And how many of you guys are like me? And you know, if somebody sits a piece of cake in front of you and says not to eat it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can get much more evil than that. And so basically they set this piece of cake in front of the kid and they tell them that if they don't touch it until the adult comes back, that they can actually have the whole cake. And so, like, one out of kid, uh, one out of ten kids actually makes it the entire time without eating any of it. And then, like, seven of them just take a little, little bit. They just take teeny tiny little bit and eat it thinking that, you know, nobody will ever know if I just take a tiny little crumb, you know. And then two of the kids just eat the whole cake. <laughs> no holds barred. They just devour it. 
And one of the kids actually even tried to explain to them that somebody else came in the room and ate the cake for him. Obviously, they had it recorded, so they knew he did it, and they showed it back to him. But what happened was that the seven kids who ate a tiny little piece of cake, that's all they got. They got a crumb because they didn't follow the rules. The two kids that ate the whole piece, obviously, that's all they got was the whole piece. However, that one kid who endured got to eat as much of the cake as he wanted when the adults came back. And now I don't know about you, but that's temptation right there. And so Peter is saying that temptation is going to come. It's how we persevere that matters. And this story is just absolutely amazing because it's familiar, isn't it? And so I'm going to continue. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were not were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Verse 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be taught, will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you to hold, called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. See, the thing here is, he's saying we need to be prepared. He's saying we need to be ready for the temptation that is going to come. How many of you guys know you don't go shopping on an empty empty stomach? Why? Because everything looks good when you're hungry. The other day I was at the grocery store and before I had eaten anything for lunch and I walked into the bread aisle. <laughs> How many of you guys know that it's a bad idea to go to the bread aisle when you're hungry? And so I'm sitting there just savoring over the bread and then I turn around and you know what's right there? The peanut butter section. The peanut butter section is like the mecca of deliciousness. I mean, you guys are chocolate friend or ch- uh, chocolate fiends. Yeah, no, you ain't got nothing on peanut butter because the only reason chocolate is good is because it surrounds peanut butter. And so I turn around and there's like 500 different kinds of chocolate or ch- different kinds of peanut butter. How many different kinds of peanut butter do you really need? The only kinds that are actually good is chunky and creamy. Yet they have like 50 different kinds of peanut butter. And I noticed something right in the middle. It's this tiny little $9 jar of chocolate cheesecake hazelnut spread. And oh man, I tell you what, at that moment, oh, I wanted that so bad. I wanted that. It just looks so delicious. Yeah, I prevailed. I'm going to tell you, I did prevail. Partially because my wife was shopping with me and there's no way she would allow me to have it anyway. So I didn't get it. But then when I got home and I actually got something to eat and I started thinking back about that and I was like, man, that chocolate cheesecake hazelnut spread, that sounds terrible. What would you put it on? You couldn't put it on toast. It would just taste disgusting. You couldn't put it on apples. That would be horrible. It just wouldn't go good on anything except for maybe cake. And then it's just an expensive uh, $9 thing of frosting. But had I prepared for shopping... And I would have eaten something when I saw that garbage, the 
chocolate cheesecake hazelnut spread, when I saw that nastiness in the jar, I wouldn't have even taken a second glance at it. There's no way. There's no way I would have thought that that looked tasty with a full stomach. And I know this is a crude example, but that's what it really is like. If you take the time to put on your armor of God when, not if, but when temptation comes, you will be prepared for it. If you put on the armor of God prior to engaging in your day, you will be prepared for when temptation comes. We need to be prepared. So how do we get prepared? Like I said, we put on the armor of God. We read our Bibles. We pray. We, we are sure of our salvation in God. We take time to worship. We take time to talk to God, to listen to God. But here's the thing. We don't do it because there's some sort of ritual that goes with it. It's not like it, if you do these things, things, then God's presence will be on you. Don't get me wrong here. And what I'm saying is, I'm not saying if you read your Bible, God's presence will be there. I'm not saying if you pray, God's presence will be there. The reason why is because it's not some sort of ritual where if you pray, then God does something. Because then what happens is you're trying to control God with your actions. You're saying, if I do this, then God has to do this. That's not the way it works. And I'm not telling you that if you read your Bible and if you pray and if you do all these things, that God's presence will be on you. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed thing because we are in control of God. We can't control God with our actions. However, I will say that if you do it in the right mind and you pray because God is God. If you read the Bible because God is God. If you want to spend time with him because you love him, then he will surely, you will surely feel his presence. Sometimes we go through trials and even though we're doing all these things, God will still feel far away. And like I said, sometimes we just have the wrong reasons why we're doing them. And sometimes we'll even do them for the right reasons, and yet God still feels far away. And I want, to, I want you to picture something. I want you to picture a baby, a toddler that's just getting ready to walk. He's just on the verge of being able to walk when they first start being able to stand. And mom and dad, they want them to walk. And so what, the, what will they do? They grab the hands of the baby, and they hold them up between their legs, and they take the vast majority of the weight, and they're holding them up while they're walking holding them between their legs as they walk. Eventually, the child gets to the point where they can carry the brunt of their own weight. And, and so then what does mom and dad do? Dad will then hold their fingers out and allow the child to hold onto their fingers as they walk in between their legs. And they're holding the fingers for a little, that just a little bit of balance. And then so once the child gets a little bit better, what's, what's, what's dad do then? Dad takes the child, sets it down, standing up, lets go, and takes a step back. And then the child, then keeping an eye on dad, takes one ambitious step forward towards him. And just happy, keeping an eye on God, keeping an eye on dad. But when we take that step back as a dad, and the child has a split second, and he looks down, and he looks around, and he sees how far away dad is, he'll fall down onto his butt. Sometimes we can be that way. When God feels so far away, we're, we desire more to fall comfortably than to take the chance and take that one leap forward, one step forward. So what happens then? When dad lets go of the child and takes a step back, it seems like they're all alone. They're looking around. They're too busy looking around at the circumstances. And even though it's one teeny tiny little step, they're more willing to fall comfortably then take a risk taking a step and falling on their own. 
Now the child who keeps their eyes on God and takes a big step and then daddy grabs him and cheers and is so excited. But what does daddy do next? Daddy sets the child down and takes two steps back. So what happens to the kid? Even though the kid is, even though the dad has stepped back even further, the child is faced with the exact same predicament. They can keep their eyes on dad and walk forward ambitiously toward him. Or they can stop, take a look at their circumstances, and they can see the sin, their past, that test that's coming up, that breakup that just occurred. And they start looking at all these things in their life, and now they're no longer looking at dad. They're no longer looking at him, and all they can see is their problems. And then what do they do? They fall comfortably because they don't want to risk taking that step without God. They don't want to take that step with that risk of that step without seeing God. Sometimes God is standing right here to our left, but we're so busy looking at a sin or a problem at our right that we don't even realize His presence is there. Sometimes God is right here and sin has us so distracted that we're oblivious to the fact that He's standing right behind us. And what God's saying is, Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. And all of this garbage that is around you won't even matter anymore. Just keep your eyes on me and take that step. Because eventually what God wants to do is be able to set us down just like dad. And walk across the room and have us come running to him. But we've got to be able to take that first step before we can run. We've got to be able to keep our eyes on God. And just pass through the circumstances around us. So what am I trying to say? I'm saying we need to get to a, a point in our walk where we read the Bible, we pray, we worship, we do all of that, not out of some contractual obligation, not some if I do this, then God will do that. No, the point is to get to a point where we realize that God is God and what he is capable of and how much he loves us and how much he cares about us and how much he has already done in our lives. And so we do those things because we love him, not because he owes us something. It's not a question of whether God still sees you when he seems distant. It's a question of whether or not you'll believe it. He will never leave or forsake you. He is in the room when you're taking your impossible chemistry exam. He's in the room watching over you during that rough breakup. He's with you when finances are tight. He's with you when you don't even know if you'll be able to make it another month. When depression is set in and everything in life just seems so dark and distant. He is able and he is fighting for you. And his presence is there. But are you so distracted that you don't see him because you're too busy looking at all the circumstances in your life? So I'm going to finish on this one. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not lean on your own understanding. By a show of hands, how many of you guys have said... I just don't understand why God is doing this. Or maybe I just don't get God. Good. That means God's intelligence isn't at your level. It isn't at our level. I'm glad that I don't understand God. Because if I'm capable of understanding God, if God is at my intellectual level, then all of you guys are screwed. Because I can barely even take care of it myself. My wife has to clean up for me all the time. 
I should be able to understand God. See, and that's the thing. We are not called to understand God. We aren't called to understand everything He is doing. We aren't even asked to try to understand what He is doing. But we are asked to follow Him. And He even gives us a choice in that. We get to choose whether or not we follow Jesus. We get to choose whether or not we accept Him as our Savior. Because God doesn't need us. But He so totally, 100% wants us. He wants you. He wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. He wants you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be involved. He wants you to be staring at Him while walking through all of your circumstances. God loves you enough that He doesn't want you to start at square one every single day. He doesn't cause trials to occur in your life, but He can use what the enemy meant for evil and repurpose it for His good. Perseverance isn't comfortable. It's not. But it would be far more uncomfortable to wake up every morning in the exact same place you were the day before with no progress. Acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And so right here in this place, I know you're listening on podcast. I know you're listening on podcast, but the importance of prayer is so, so necessary in our walk. If you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with a breakup, if you're struggling with grades, if you're struggling with finances, I want you to do something for me. I want you to find somebody, an elder in your church, or um, get a hold of me, uh, get a hold of my wife, Courtney, get a hold of one of us, get a hold of somebody that you know that is near you, that you can go to them and you can have them lay hands and pray for you. I want you to find somebody to pray for you. If you are struggling with all of this stuff, I want you to find somebody who can lay hands and pray for you. I think it is so important in our walk to share the burden sometimes with each other. And now if you're listening to this and you don't know God, and all this just sounds amazing to you, but you don't know about Jesus, I want you to find me. I want you to get a hold of me, get in contact with me, and, and let's meet up sometime this week. At service last night, Jed stood up and he shared a story. And unfortunately, like I said, we had technical difficulties. And I can't share the story exactly word for word. But um, he stood up and he shared this story that while he was back at home, he he noticed there was this little girl. And she was with her dad. And um, the little girl was playing around. And they were sitting at a park at the edge of a forest. And uh, he's watching this little girl. And eventually this girl begins to wander off. And the dad stands up and starts to follow her. And he's not interacting with her. He's, he's just just watching her. And she begins to wander towards the trees. Even though she knows that she's not supposed to, she begins to water, wander towards the trees. And dad's just standing a little ways behind her. And uh, he's watching her. He's keeping an eye on her. And she gets into the forest. And, and he said that you could tell she just all of a sudden got panicked. And she realized she was, she was out of her element. She was scared. And she turns around, she comes running, and, and dad was right there, comes running after her, picks her up, gives her a big, huge hug. Even though she was doing something that she wasn't supposed to be doing, he followed her and he allowed her to do it. 
and afterwards Jed said he talked to him and the dad said that she just hoped that she could learn a lesson from it. Man, that is just, that is what God does, doesn't he? And I want to share one more testimony with you before I go. And I didn't get permission to share this testimony, so I will omit names. However, um, I would just say that while we were um, in Scott's Bluff, we went with a couple of uh, people that we respect very much, and they came to a, came with us to the Bethel thing. And uh, while they were there, their house caught on fire. However, something happened. Their house caught on fire, but it burned just long enough to burn a hole into some plumbing. And the plumbing bursts, and the water comes out, and it puts the fire out. And then the electricity shuts off and shuts the water off. And so they come home to a house filled with smoke and no electricity, and compared to what it would have been, minimal fire damage and minimal water damage. And when they called the claims adjuster and the uh, fire department and, or, and the, uh, the plumbers, they realized that uh, they easily could have lost their home multiple times that night. And I just kept thinking, I kept thinking, what kind of spiritual battle was going on there, right? Sometimes God, sometimes God works in mysterious ways, and, and sometimes while we're seeking Him, He protects the things back home. He protects the people we pray for. He protects mom and dad. He cares about the intricate details of your life. And so as you get done listening to this, I just thank you for turning, tuning in. And I want you to leave here and know that God is good. That He loves you that much. He doesn't want you stuck where you're at. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your healing touch. We thank you for your desire to meet us when we are stuck. Lord, I love you, and it really is for your glory that we do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.